Yeah, Joseph Crasta, Midland, Texas, uh, founder of Trunkline. I'm Michaela McNabb. Uh, I'm over here in Hobbs, New Mexico, and I am the marketing director for Trunkline. Now that I'm like in the meeting, I was actually curious what Michaela was saying about those books because I was in Boy Scouts and I know all about the history there. And I've got some of those on my bookshelf here. Really? Uh, yeah. No. So I have, I have a bunch, but this is what started it all. This is scouting for boys. This is what like kicked off the Boy Scout whole movement. I'm trying to see the date. It says really 1908 version on the front. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. What the hell? That's so this crazy. is like the original handbook for boys and it's got like the knots and crossing rivers and building bridges. It's amazing. You know, I always, I regret that I'd never stuck with uh, the boy scout thing with cousins and friends. Cause I, you know, get older and I'm like, gosh, damn it. I got to tie this knot. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'm just going to go over under like six times and hope it just holds at least like three of them. And they're like, dude, just, you know, and they get in there and it's like, all of a sudden it's totally tight. You pull like once and it all falls apart. I'm like, man, I wish I would have picked up on that. You ever learn that bowline knot? No. I don't Sometimes even know what a bowline knot is. Bowline or bowline. It's the strongest knot ever. Really? Yeah. Every knot reduces the strength of a rope by some amount, depending on how it's configured. But the bowline reduces it by the least amount. So it's like the strongest knot you can make. It's it's amazing. Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that one. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's a knot that doesn't slip. So it's essentially made uh, round itself, but it's not like a slip knot where it moves. It's it's rigid, and the more you pull on it, the more uh, tight it gets. So super useful. Yeah. Yeah. I feel nice. like all that stuff would be so beneficial with more than 35 years of experience in the industry impact exploration services has you covered for all your mud logging geo steering and geoscience service needs impact exploration services covers every basin in the lower 48 and can customize the services to your needs impact exploration services sets the professional standard and the next time you have problems to solve and questions to answer think impact exploration services I mean, nobody really goes camping anymore, but there's all kinds of skills that I learned and not just skills, but like soft skills too, like how to manage a team and how to like talk to different people uh, that I use every day. And I got it in Boy Scouts. I didn't get it in school. Right. There's something interesting going on there for sure, because the kind of the failure of school in a sense is that you're taking all these kids and you're assuming they're all going to just kind of learn generally the same way. Let's put you in a seat, a teacher up front, listen, take the notes or, you know, just kind of fundamentals in school. And you get PE, you got recess, lunch, that just stirs everything up. The next class after recess or lunch is always the hardest for the teachers, getting them all settled back in, understand, just sit and listen to what I say remember what I say. And, and there's nothing like no practicality to it, right? They go mm -hmm. home and they go, mom, I learned this. And mom and dad are like, 
I don't even know how to help you with it. like most of them, right? They're like, what yeah. the hell? You're learning this in fifth grade. Uh, but you guys are out of something. It just always bothered me that the, you've got these young kids like in elementary school and you're forcing them to sit in a chair for right. most of the day, every day. They need to be out playing and running around and exploring, not sitting and being like still for eight hours, yeah. you know? And so I just, I wish... I wish they would figure out a different model, you know, for early, at least the early years in school. Yeah. 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 I feel like that is really difficult because we all, um, like the good kids are the ones that sit still, sit quiet, like don't say anything back. But I mean, when you're not questioning the people who are teaching you or not, ask questions, you really aren't retaining the information as well. But also the kids who do do that or don't sit still and can't for eight hours straight, you know, be calm and collected at 10 years old are going to be labeled as bad kids. And then like their egos forever are going to be damaged by those um, initial, I guess, ideas of them. Yeah. Hmm. And you get this kind of, uh, what do they call it? It's like a, uh, ah, I can't think of the word, but it's basically like stigma. stigma. Why couldn't I think of stigma, dude? Like my brain just, golly, they get this stigma, right? And they're the bad kid. And then, but if there's a famous study where they, they did that and they switched it from indoor class to an outdoor setting and all the kids that were bad switched to good and all the good Mm -hmm. kids switched to bad, you know, it's like, Wait, the whole stand, whatever the standard is, which is huge in geology, you always have to have a standard. If you're just doing things relative to other things, you're just, you're totally shooting in the dark. But when you have standards and you can trust those standards, now every data point from there is very significant and it plugs in very well. So if the standard is like, everyone sit, everyone listen, regurgitate what I say, you get good grades. If that's the standard, yeah, there's going to be all kinds of anomalies. And that kid's going to grow up being like, man, school, I never fit in. I always fought with the teachers, right? And then they just turn into, you know, older shitheads because they that's who they thought they were. And they got pigeonholed that and they carried that through high school. And they just start, that's their image. Like, this kind of goes into branding. Like, yeah. you know, how do you eventually get branded? It's it's all these think out these outside influences on us on like what's our place in this what what do I bring specifically to this to help it or you know how can I help them um anyway you got to have a standard maybe trunk lines the standard for people to realize where their place is in supporting the industry what exactly is your role and how can you better help that that company or this company yeah you know most kids that get that stigma early on they they feel like they're suppressed they feel like they're stuck with it so scarlet letter on them then you've got like the one in a million like like steve jobs and mark zuckerberg who kind of leaned into it you know and they they rebelled deliberately um and they dropped out of school deliberately and they maybe they didn't know that they had a strength but it was a strength nonetheless to be that kind of kid and they've changed the world and I, I think there are more people out there with that capacity. There are a lot more people out, but they just, they get labeled and it overwhelms them from an early age. Yeah. I don't know that for a fact, but I, I think that's true. 
I think well, you're right. I was labeled as oppositionally defiant. And so like mm -hmm. as a child, and so was like my brother and like my dad, when he was um, growing up was like labeled as something, you know, in that, that time period, that's similar, but it's basically like, um, you refuse to like sit still and you refuse to do those, uh, the things that you're, I guess, supposed to do. I always was a straight A student and I was like on the honor roll and got actually like some of the highest scores in my entire school, but I wouldn't do the things that I was supposed to do, which was like sitting down or like not asking questions or not talking back, which I mean, is definitely, I, I embrace now being like bossy or like being uh, open about how I feel. But mm -hmm. as a child, it definitely was difficult because it was always, she talks so much. We have to sit her by herself. Mm -hmm. She, she won't listen. She doesn't, or she doesn't understand that she can't go and do something when she wants to go do it. So, I mean, as a child who was labeled very early on as, you know, oppositionally defiant, which is like, they say is like a subset of like ADHD, but it's, okay. it's more just like people don't want to deal with kids like that. So they like label them as that. Right. <laughs> he, super interesting. Troy, how many years did you go to school counting college? Uh, so it took uh, 12 through high school, right? And then four more. So 16 with an undergrad and then pretty much work-wise, I was done with another two. So that's 18. But then I, I was pursuing the thesis that took uh, extra time and then eventually graduated, you know, several years later. But the work was pretty much done in 16, mm. completely done within 18 or 19. And Michaela, you did 12 through I high school. I didn't do 12. I only did 11. I oh, really? skipped a grade. And then you went to college for afterwards. Yeah, like six months. Okay, so about 12 years, almost. Yeah, almost 12 do, years. Do y'all remember any of your teachers? Did any of them make a positive impact on you? I had a fifth grade teacher. Her name was Mrs. Trammell. And she kept her lights in her classroom super dim. She let you chew gum in school. And we each got a candle. We got to sit on our desk. And we were responsible for like, obviously not lighting the class on fire, but you got to light your candle in quiet time. And it was my favorite class ever because she let you just be yourself, but she wasn't. Oh, and one time she was like, she even called me out for like being a BSer on like my essays and stuff like in front of the entire class. But it was just my first time of seeing a teacher who was real and they weren't like trying to control everybody. But yeah, mm. she was my favorite. Right on. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, I got a bunch of memories like from grade school for sure. I don't know if any of that really led to me being like inspired in one way or another, but for sure by the time I got to undergrad, because I went to school later, I crossed paths with a teacher that was a, like totally set me off on my whole trail. And she, wow. she wrote a book called Lead a Mean Trail. That was her her book. She died shortly after I graduated. She was super old, totally could retire, but just loved it. She was a PhD biologist and a PhD geologist, married to a geologist. And uh, she definitely was a huge impact on what I'm doing today. 
it just shows you how the right teachers can literally change your life, but they're so rare. Yeah. Yeah. I think you got to have a certain mindset too. You got to have a maturity to you to, to understand that that's kind of what you're looking for. You know, I don't, I don't remember being taught that by my parents that, you know, that, Hey, you're going to run into people that are going to be leaders and that are going to lead you. And you're going to run into some people that might feel like leaders, but be careful. They're not, you know, be careful what they're doing, pay attention to what's going on, how it makes you feel like mm -hmm. how to decipher that and how to like realize that I could have made relationships a long time ago in very more mature ways, but it took me a while. It took me a near death experience on a dirt bike, right. To start appreciating like my time and my, my effort to understand you and your passions and like appreciate them. How can I learn from them? Like that was a rough road for me to get there. I wish I had some, you know, some more guidance or maybe I did, but I was just, I, I was severely like ADHD kid, like class clown, like got through high school just because recess and lunch was fun enough. You know, the rest was just like in the way and a distraction to like <laughs> hang it out. Exactly. Like, yeah. Being a kid. But eventually that all turned around and I, I I totally changed in my, yeah. So I don't know. There's, it's tricky. It's tricky. There's only two teachers in my 16 years of school that made an impact on me, but they changed my life. Everything they taught me, not everything, but what they taught me is still with me, sticks with me, comes in handy every day. And the only thing in common between the two of them is they taught a hands-on model. They didn't teach at the whiteboard. It wasn't lecture style. Mm. It wasn't sit down and be quiet. We were up, we were moving, we were, we were fidgeting with things. One of them was a basic computer class where we learned Word, Excel, PowerPoint, um, Outlook. And we were at a computer and like doing practice stuff every day. And it like now that's that's huge for me. Yeah. So I just think I'm a big believer in that hands-on model. So I can start with a story and then actually maybe y'all might have some, a similar story to what I'm about to tell. It's an example of when I used examples of my own work in the past to get a job or to get a customer or to get something I wanted. I actually, <clears throat> I led with examples of my work kind of like what we're trying to do on Trunkline for vendors. We want them to lead with examples of their work and their projects to attract customers. So you guys maybe can share a story that's similar in your own life if you have one. But uh, so my story is that what I wasn't planning to go to college. We were just talking about education. I graduated high school and I didn't have any way to go to college, couldn't afford it didn't know what I wanted to study, didn't really know anyone who had a successful track in college. And so I applied to four schools in Texas. I applied to A&M, uh, UT Arlington, Baylor, and UT Dallas. And I just kind of did the bare minimum on the application. I just did it online, left it and forget it, didn't really think it would lead to anything. Um, I think I had to write an essay or something for each one. But I put those four leads out and I just kind of said to myself, you know, I'm probably not going to get in. I'm probably just going to stay in my hometown and keep working as a carpenter because that was my high school job. In high school, I worked for this 
master carpenter and we built furniture and desks and tables and big bookshelves like what's in the back of McKaylee's screen. We did, that was my high school job. Some of my friends worked for Chick-fil-A or at the movie theater. I worked yeah. in this like shop doing woodworking. So I thought that's what I was going to do after high school. Then UT Dallas responds back to me and they says, they said, we like your resume. We want to bring you in for an interview for one of our scholarships. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Long story short, I get plugged into this scholarship called the Terry scholarship. And it's like a multi-step interview screening. They have current alumni interview you. They have the board from Houston interview you. It's like a big drawn out process. And it, if you make it through each stage, you go to like the final like capstone interview, which was in this big high rise in downtown Dallas. And if you make it there, you get a full ride scholarship to school. Okay. So I'm, I'm still in high school. I go to this interview. I take the day off from class one day. I go down to downtown Dallas to this interview and I'm nervous as, as ever. Um, there's like 15 other candidates there. I'm dressed up in my suit. I go to like the 20th floor. I'm, I have no idea what to expect. But what I brought with me was this laminated 11 by 17 sheet that had photos of my woodworking on it. Nice. Nothing else, just examples of what I had done. And I didn't really plan on using it. I just had it as a backup. I don't know why, but anyway, I go into the interview. I start talking about myself. I can tell they don't, they aren't really interested. It's kind of like, here's another candidate talking about himself. Then I whip out this portfolio yeah. of my woodworking immediately had their attention. Right. It, the, the whole atmosphere changed. They passed it around. They started asking me questions. What's this? How'd you build that? How much did that cost? And it was just like night and day. They loved yeah. it. And I, I just stumbled upon that, but I, I realized later, like, yeah, you don't really get people's attention by talking about yourself. You get people's attention, like a picture is worth a thousand words by showing them examples of what you've done. And so I got the scholarship and I don't know if that was the only reason, but it was, it was definitely a big part of it. So that, that was like 2010 when that happened. And looking back, that was like a moment in time that sort of, um, inspired this idea for trunkline in a weird way yeah uh, because i realized that this this tactic of showcasing your actual work right works and so that's the story and we're just trying to help vendors in the industrial sector do that easily to attract anybody yeah With modern technology uh, you know, you're not printing out slim by 17, go get it laminated at office depot. Like you created a really efficient, a really fast way to do that with trunk line. Now that someone can shuffle it through their phone while they're like waiting for their order or whatever. And they're, they're thinking about vendors and bang, they're, they're now seeing people's previous work and they don't have to sit there and, and put up with someone over a lunch to do it. Like, right. You just open it up, man. I like your work. I'm calling. I'm going to reach out to you and ask questions now, not create this like totally eight, like super old way of bringing people in, talking to them. Not nah, like a fast way to get to it. I love that. Yeah. And we think about 
like social media in general, we're scrolling all day. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I know so many other people are guilty of it. Like that's our guilty pleasure. We go sit in the car, you know, after a long day and kind of just like take a breather and that's what we're doing. And I think that we constantly see names after names or companies after companies and kind of disregard them. Like you absorb it, but it's not fully ingrained in you. But when you're at a place or when you're working with like a place like Trunkline and you're looking through these projects, these are actual things that are happening. It's not, you know, this um, show that you're putting on for social media. These are things that you actually achieved, things you are working on, things you are planning on doing in the future. And it creates a lasting impression, I, in, in my opinion, because it's, it's not just another everyday post that goes away with the algorithm. Like you can go back and find that easily. You can really cement that into uh, people's minds because it's it's on trunk line permanently. You know what I yeah. mean? Yep. The key word you just said there was accomplishments. And that's something that I, I really try to hammer home with people everyone who's out there working in the industry, building tanks, drilling wells, building facilities, that's impressive work. They're proud of what they do. They want other people to see what they've done. And so the analogy I use is Trunkline is kind of like your trophy room and your projects are your trophies. And we're just giving you a place to display your, your trophies, your accomplishments yeah. uh, of all the cool work you've done, all the accomplishments you have in the industry. Um, and you know, a lot of people, a lot of companies, they, they have photos of what they've done. Right. They just don't have a place to put it. It's saved on Google drive or it's saved on their phone and no one can find it. No one can see it. So we're, we're trying to open the internet up to these, these vendors, give them access to, to broadcast that stuff far and wide. Yeah. So what quick question, cause this happens all the time, right? Like if you do good work, you have a trophy the person you did that work for is going to go out and say, man, you need someone to rebuild your tank battery. I got your guy. They did a great job. They even probably show the people the pictures, like they do the trunk line like for them. But that's all word of mouth. And that's really how a lot of these companies, at least my experience as an operator, when I talk to them, it's what they have. They just have a network of people. It gives them enough work. Even when downtimes come or uptime, right? They just have enough work and they're just kind of like, eh. But with trunk line, the the simplest thing as far as a post right and uploading a photo and putting information on there what what is it that you think is the perfect post that someone can take that 30 seconds to one minute of just putting enough text is it just location job and like keywords and then just a before and after photo upload is that as simple as that or, or what are you looking for from the right post to make it a, a trophy room for them yeah, that's a great question. The best post on Trunkline is one that shows an action, like a crane lifting something or a piece of equipment moving something or an excavator or something action related or a before and after. People love seeing those. So that's number one, a great photo of your work in action or, or the results before and after of what you did, what you accomplished. That's the first sort of ingredient. 
Is that the um, first question? Like if they have a trunk line account is the first thing that it asks when you want to upload a project? Is it, is it upload your photo or is it give it a project name? What's the first question that they get asked? It's, it's the title first, the name of okay. the project. Which yeah, you want to name. put, what do you want to put yeah. there? Your company name the or just what the job was. You want to put, yeah, some descriptive title about okay. the job, the project itself. 20 inch, 50 mile steel pipeline construction, or, you know, 10 acre solar farm construction, something like that. You can put your company name, you can put a generic term about your services, but what's going to capture the operator's attention is the project. What happened? What did you do? What were the challenges? Give me some specs, some numbers about the project. That's, that's my advice in the title. Okay. And then it's upload a photo. Is that the next, the next question? There's yeah, there's a description and a map for the project where you can pin your project location on a map. Nice. You can, so be, as, you can be as specific as you want, put a street address, or you could just put the city or the state. You could be generic if you want. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. All right. So now you're, you guys are mapping all these pins that everyone's dropping and it's tied to that company. Right. Yeah. That's a big deal sometimes when operators are looking for vendors in their area. Right. Um, I worked in the beginning of my career in Houston, in the Gulf Coast region. So most of the vendors I was looking for were down there local. And so it's nice to be able to go to Trunkline and see which vendors have done projects in Houston and which vendors have done projects in Dallas, where our headquarters were. So we like every vendor that posts on Trunkline to pin their projects on a map so that it can be found geographically later. Okay. All right. So title, description, location, and then photos. Bingo. It's really nice with that map feature. There's a tab specifically on the you know main homepage when you're just scrolling through everything. You can specifically click the map feature and zoom in on the region you're looking for and only look in you know only look at projects that were in that area and okay. so it really narrows down your search area in order to you know better find people who are going to help you right on right on that was cool yeah the key there is that we all have challenges on our projects and we need solutions Sometimes it's technology, sometimes it's services. The answers to those problems, the people who, who offer the solutions might not be in your area. They might not be in your network. They might not be seeing your stuff on social media. They might not even know the name of your company or vice versa. And so what we're trying to do is, is get everyone we talk to to just add their content into the Trunkline search engine so that people can start finding companies, solutions, technology they didn't even know about. Could be in their backyard. Um, but just because the way social media is kind of an echo chamber in some ways, uh, we're not finding each other as efficiently as I think we could be. Yeah. Yep. Now, so if trunk, if you have a super active trunk line uploader, right, company that's just 
oh, he's constantly in San Antonio. I'm the I'm the guy that's doing all the tank rebuilds, right? On the Trunkline website. There's all these other companies that are doing just as much work, but on the Trunkline <clears throat> website specifically, bang, bang, they're uploading a hundred posts a week, like something crazy, right? Just an anomalously high active user of Trunkline. When someone just randomly Googles in the area, I'm looking for someone to rebuild my tank battery. Because that person's doing that on Trunkline, will they will will Trunkline pop up on Google and say this is a really active person that's doing what you're looking for? Or how does that actually work between the website of Trunkline? Because not everybody uses Trunkline; they're just googling real quick. Right. Does, Trunk, does Trunkline plug into that? It does. Trunkline is a search result in not just Google but any public search engine. So, okay. Uh, Google is one, Yahoo, Bing, Duck, Bing, DuckDuckGo. Yeah. DuckDuckGo? What the hell is DuckDuckGo? I've, I've never heard of that. DuckDuckGo is the uh, kind of the rebellious search engine cropping up out of nowhere. They they pride themselves as being like the full privacy search engine. So they don't track your history or your searches or, um, you know, filter or censor certain results. It's just a wide open search engine. Wow. Huh. Yeah, I never heard yeah. of that. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. Really? Uh-uh. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's a pretty incredible startup story. Um, DuckDuckGo.com? I think so. DuckDuckGo. It's a little too much, man. Google's got it figured out. Google, just Google.com. DuckDuckGo? Right. I'm like, gosh, damn, I could do use. <laughs> I'm misspelling this thing. Anyway. It's, it's impressive that they got so much traction this many decades after Google started. It's pretty cool. You're going to say something, McKaylee? I was just going to say, Google actually has been so annoying for me lately because if you're not constantly clearing your cookies and everything, it just starts. I'm like, if I'm looking for furniture, which I'm doing a lot right now, um, it shows me the same thing over and over again because I, I click on something that I like and then it's showing me things that are similar to it. And then I'm not seeing anything outside of that range. And you have to constantly clear your cookies. It's it's just really annoying to me because I want to see more than just one time I clicked on this. And so now it's only showing me that sort of thing. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's good. But that works for like research too. So I I was like looking up different symptoms of being sick. And all I was getting was this specific set of like um I guess illnesses that went with this uh, with this yeah. symptom set and then I cleared my cookies or whatever my cash or whatever and it came up with a completely different result. is that right yeah like hey like you got so the common you got a common cold don't worry about it you clear your cookies and they're like it's cancer get to the hospital now <laughs> more <laughs> the opposite great. more the opposite it's like Google's telling you or like wanting you to be afraid so they're like it's cancer. And then you clear your cookies or cash or whatever. And it's, it's a common cold. What the hell's a cookie? Can someone explain this to me? I don't know. That's, that's Joseph. I can try. Yeah. 
With more than 35 years of experience in the industry, Impact Exploration Services has you covered for all your mud logging, geosteering, and geoscience service needs. Impact Exploration Services covers every basin in the lower 48 and can customize the services to your needs. Impact Exploration Services sets the professional standard, and the next time you have problems to solve and questions to answer, think Impact Exploration Services. Um, do you know what the cash is? It's like the store, like your history, right? Like kind of a, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit on the PBE podcast, how the internet works. Right. And, uh, it's very, very different than what most people think. The internet is just a bunch of computers all around the world connected by cables. That's all that the internet is. The website that you might be looking at, let's say it's you're looking at homedepot.com. That website, which is a collection of like files and photos and videos and prices for their products, the contents of that website might be in like Chicago on a computer in Chicago. Okay. And so it's got to travel from Chicago through a bunch of nodes and a network and a bunch of cables to me on my computer here in Texas. That doesn't happen instantly, uh, especially with the size of the internet, how big it is and how global it is. Um, information doesn't, doesn't move instantly. So what the internet actually does is it shows, when you pull up a website, it shows you an, a slightly older version of the website. Okay, so, and that's what, that's what the cache does. The cache, show, the cache holds an old version of every website that you visited in your computer locally. Does that make any sense? Wow, yeah. So I visit homedepot.com. I'm looking at the website, great. Then I leave homedepot.com. Well, that current state of that website is held in my cache on my computer for like, I don't know, 30 days. days. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it might depend on your settings, but, but it holds a version of homedepot.com on your cache. What that means is if you go to Home Depot like in an hour, homedepot.com in an hour, it's going to show you the cached version, even though the actual version in Chicago maybe had changed. Maybe they updated a price on a product. Yeah. It, your computer is going to show you an older version and you got to be careful with that. Some, some websites refresh more often. Some computers have different settings, blah, blah, blah. But you're not always looking at the latest, greatest on a website unless you clear your cash. Wow. So if you go to like do a pickup order and it says one in stock and then you get there and they're like, we don't have any in stock. That could be why. That could be why. Yeah. Wow. What the hell? So what, <laughs> All right. If I clear my cash every hour, right? I want no cash on my computers. I want to see everything. Even how long do I have to wait? Like, what do you mean? Like, internet is instantaneous. Like, are you saying like you won't really notice it that much if you have high internet speed? Like, but uh, if you clear your cash and you you request a brand new version of the website, it will be slower than if you just pull up the cached version. It'll be slightly slower, but second, it's hard to tell. Seconds, yeah. Yeah. Seconds yeah. slower, and I'm gonna make the decision to drive an hour to this store to pick up an item. And I because I save seconds, 
they haven't, they say they have an item. I go and I, they don't have the item. I waste two hours of my life for saving seconds. Clear that cash. I want no cash on my computer. What do I need to do? I want no cash on my computer. I don't think you can turn it off completely. Okay. I think you, you have to clear it periodically. Like manually reset it. Yeah. All right. And that's cash spelled C-A-S-C-H-E or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. C-A-C-H-E. C-A-C-H-E. Stupid. All right. But here's the, here's the thing. All the big websites that we use, like Amazon, Home Depot, Best Buy, they are, they've been, people have invested millions and millions of dollars into those websites to make them very fast. So what they've done is they've actually put identical copies of like Home Depot's website in different places around the internet. And this is what's called a CDN. Um, long story short, it's a way to sort of bypass this issue with the cash where like, if I'm in Texas, I'm going to retrieve a website, not as far away as Chicago, but maybe like somewhere closer, like New Mexico. I see. Um, you and I don't have that many resources to build a website like that. So if you visit like some, you know, small time bloggers website and you clear your cash, it could be a little longer. I see. My question was about cookies. Does cookies relate to cash? Is that why we just got doctored up on cash? Yeah. Cookies is kind of like, yeah, part of the cash that, that is saved or temporarily held on your computer. Okay. It's like a a session, almost a session of, of a website visit in a sense. Cause it says accept all cookies. And I decline, I go, I decline your cookies. I want my cookies or whatever this is. I decline. (laughs) I do that. I don't know what I'm doing. I just decline. Yeah. It it kick you out. I feel like it would kick. No, no, it just goes away. And I continue on my search. (laughs) You might be missing out on certain features that that website offers, but huh. you I'm might just not like, even accept know all cookies. I'm like, we're already, we're already going down. Might as well, <laughs> might as well just take all I can. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I it still, gets really, really complicated. Interesting. But I could be missing out on, on real live information by, by not accepting all cookies and, and not like refreshing my cash all the time. You could be kind of in a delayed version of the internet. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Yeah. It's like if you have a, a pump pumping water from Chicago through a pipe to me here in Texas, the water that I'm receiving at the end of that pipe is not the same molecule as being pumped way up in Chicago. There's a delay there. So it's kind of the same thing. Okay. Cool, man. Thanks for doctoring us up on that. Uh, where do we go from here? You want to talk about comments? You want to talk about some feedback? Yeah. Have y'all heard any comments any or questions, like common questions about how does trunkline work? Why, how do I use it? Why do I need it? No, my feedback I got is <laughs> that uh, they understand it and I should talk to this person. Or I've actually recommended for this person who runs this company to check out trunkline because like they heard it on the show or they, they were there at our happy hour in January. And he's like, I lo- I loaded up. I, you know, I, I, he's, he's like a retired geologist. He's talking about loading up trunk line to check out like what people are doing in the area. 
like what a cool like i didn't even think of that like just mm. some pastime of like what's at where's the action what are people where's actually yeah. yeah it's pretty cool well mckaylee so, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah mckaylee has a pretty interesting story about another use case that honestly i didn't even think about maybe that's where we start do you want to tell that story of the events yeah. So I um, went to a OCI networking event for the Delaware Basin, and it's a newer chapter of um, the OCI network. And so there weren't a ton of people there. It's just starting out and they're kind of growing right now. What's OCI? Um, OCI is the... Um, Oilfield connections. Yeah, oilf I, I I've been going to those meetings forever. I don't know why I just blanked on the name, but yeah, Oilfield Connections International, and they have chapters all over the U.S. Um, and I think there's even one in like out out of the country. I, I yeah. want to say like Guam or something like that. Whoa. But um, so they have chapters in tons of places, and I went to the one in Midland quite a bit when I was living over there. Um. But I went to this chapter meeting and kind of started telling them about Trunkline and what it was. And almost every single person there was like, I can 100% see where this would come in handy. And, oh, sometimes I post on LinkedIn and it gets like two likes and then people never, ever see it. Like my impressions are like two, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, and then. Then uh, we talked a lot about uh, just different applications for the site. And one of the vice presidents of the, of the Midland chapter, I believe, he was like, well, maybe this would be something we could use for, you know, not just service companies, but also for our events that cater to the oil field and energy sector. So what if we posted our events on Trunkline and talked about maybe um, even posting their tickets there and being bought directly on Trunkline. And I know it's not like um, something we've talked about before, but if you post a product on Trunkline, it's kind of like if you're working with Amazon or any of those things, you're automatically getting the notification of who bought the ticket. And then that money is automatically in your account. We're not having to send you that money afterwards. It's it's a direct marketplace, just like if you were selling items on Amazon or any of those open marketplaces. Is that um, right? Yeah. So if we had tickets, like, let's say for this, this event and yeah. they did pre-registration, they're going to get all of the names for pre-registration immediately as soon as they come in. So you're not having to wait for somebody to collect them from your, you know, main website and then send them to you. In a CSV, them right yeah, in some yeah, shitty yeah. CSV file, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And um, you're getting your money immediately as well. So it's it's instantaneous wow. and it's it's really a, a way that we haven't seen a lot of people utilize um, Trunkline for yet, but right. that's kind of... That's kind of another opportunity within the oil field and energy sector. I don't know how, I know there are tons of, I mean, golf tournaments, oh, man. events, happy hours in the energy sector. And it would just be, it would be huge if people could come to one place and find the poster, search, you know, search for events, find events in their area. And then, I mean, be able to 
right from there all in one place uh I register for those or yeah. um buy tickets for those is there an app a phone app for trunk line or is it just a uh, a website you go to on your phone the app is in the works um okay. if you have an iphone you can save a bookmark on your home screen to the oh. website nice yeah the app's in the works cool um the AAPG event coming up, Southwest Section AAPG annual event. So it just happens once a year. They always change it through that throughout the Southwest section. So that's basically from El Paso to Wichita Falls, Dallas, Fort Worth. I think that's the end of the tip. Goes through Midland, goes into New Mexico a little bit. That's the region. It's along the what's called the Nakazari slab tear for geology. Um, that's the Southwest section. And they're going to be in Wichita Falls. And so are we. We're going to team up with TGS, do this event. We're going to be doing live shows from the, the event for a few days. That event, registration and all that stuff could be on Trunkline. So right. everyone that's right. And now you're everyone that's around Wichita Falls that wants to be on Trunkline, that's interested in Trunkline, can register through it and now learn more about companies around Wichita Falls or around the Southwest section. That's what I'm thinking. If you're an event organizer, there's two huge benefits here to doing your tickets on Trunkline. One is just the marketing. We've got hundreds and hundreds of companies uh, posting on Trunkline. They're attracting their customers to Trunkline. We're getting views on social media. So if you post your events on Trunkline, like McKaylee's saying, which is easy to do, you're just in the mix of all these other companies that are in your industry that are actively using the site. So that's the huge benefit. That's number one, and that's free. The other benefit is the, like the logistics of actually selling the tickets, right. collecting registration names, organizing all your data in one place. You don't have to print a CSV or constantly check some other you know, multiple systems to see who's registered. Um, and then obviously the payments, if someone buys a ticket, or if you sell free tickets, either way, the customers just buy it on Trunkline, like they buy it on a product on any other website. The money goes from their credit card to your bank account instantly, and you get a log of your customers right there in Trunkline. So I didn't think about this till last night, Troy, but you could be doing this too. We probably should do this for the March happy hour in San yeah. Antonio, because um, we can do free tickets as well, just like what we did last month right right yeah we're just setting that up i think we're gonna go to the burleson yard uh it's like a, a beer garden kind of thing it's real cool little area you can bring the family up till about 9 p.m of course and then get out of there with the kiddos and the the network stays but yeah we got a cool event cool happy hour coming up it's right next to downtown um i will definitely be advertising and sending that link out just like we did on that last one, I thought that was super effective to put people that want to RSVP in line with Trunkline. It obviously proved effective with the old timer that says, man, this Trunkline's cool. Like, I've invited some of my friends who own these service companies in the area to get on it. I check it out. Like That's that's what we want, right? We want people to understand what it is, to use it, and realize that this is a true benefit for the industry for a long time. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to go over one of these comments, but you just made a point, Troy, that caught my attention. And I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I want to hear your take on it from a geology perspective. You mentioned the, the path 
all the way up to Oklahoma or Wichita yeah. Falls. What, yeah. what exactly was that? Nakazari slab tear, man. It goes all okay. the way into the Pacific Ocean. Okay, so it's an oil play. Well, it has a lot to do with why the Permian Basin is there. It has probably a lot to do with why these earthquakes are happening in West Texas, too. Hmm. It goes right yeah. along that fault zone. If you notice, the trend of all the areas where the Railroad Commission is saying, hey, guys, you need to reduce what's going on here because the earthquakes, it's along the line. If that hmm. line is there, and it's that's a geographic, geologically like distinct line goes all the way through Mexico and geology all the way from Texas to Mexico is all offset on this thing. Bang. It's Mm. amazing. So I didn't know that before. I really don't know much about the geology or anything downhole really for that matter. I'm more familiar with the facility side, but when I talk to people outside the industry, like friends and family, and I tell them just the basics of the industry what I tell them is that the oil in the country or most of the oil is located in a strip. And I tell them the strip is a a straight line from Houston to Alaska. And it's kind of like a two statewide strip along Mm -hmm. that line, more or less. Right. Yeah. Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, um, Wyoming, and then up to Canada and then Alaska. Sure. Is that, is that, I know we have like the Marcellus and right. California. Ohio, yeah. And we've got California. Yeah. I think there's some oil in Florida, but yep. in general, Nevada, that's where the oil is, right? Yeah. Like the most production for sure is that trend you're talking about. Yeah. And it's, I guess that's geological that it, it's not just a coincidence that it's kind of in a path across the whole continent like that. That's a tough question to answer, dude. We'd have to look at some serious maps to figure that out. Cause it's not a continuous path, but it's right. Kind of, un, it's it's sort of in that shape. It seems yeah. like to I'm, me. I mean, it is interesting because when you are talking about these different communities that are mostly oil field based, it is exactly in that that strip you're talking about. So it feels like an odd coincidence that it's almost like a path straight up to Alaska, you know, down to down to Houston. And kind of a diagonal because I mean yeah are there there are places obviously outside of that but yeah all of the the bigger places are in that that area the strip strip yeah and yes. even past Houston into the Gulf right yeah right? so now so once you get there you're riding what's called the the famous uh, East Texas shear or the south the the Texas shear zone Texas shear zone it goes all the way to the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, and you can actually trace it from those faults all the way into the center of Africa. This mm. is a massive crack of the world we refer to it as that runs along all that. And it it hangs out on the south side of the Permian, and then it goes out towards this, and it hooks back up into the San Andreas Fault. And then it actually goes into the Pacific Ocean off of the uh, uh, Mont. Manzano fault, Manzanino fault, some big sheer fault that comes off of San Francisco. That's all connected. You can see it in, in worldwide grab mag. It's called a crack. Is the that world. the one that's going to fall into the sea? It's maybe say? not so much fall, but it's getting rifted. It's it, what's basically happening is Baja, California. You know how California comes down and it goes into Baja, California, and there's like this little ocean between the rest of Mexico. 
Mm-hmm. That is literally rifting apart. That's becoming an ocean. And it goes into the uh, Salton Sea, you know, that big water body in Southern California. And that goes into the San Andreas Fault. That's a that's an incipient rift happening. It's it's right now becoming an ocean floor, but it's, it's geologic time. It's very slow. But you could see that, you know, geothermal plants are there. There's all kinds of mud volcanism along this thing, like really active, very dynamic geologic process that's happening right there. So really what's happening is it's California is kind of rifting away from the rest of the country, uh, rest of the continent all the Mm. way up. Yeah. And offshore, like that's just like rifting away. It's not going to like sink. I don't think certainly in our lifetime, but what it's definitely doing is rifting. It's definitely breaking off. But I guess that's kind of been, or that's been happening for, you know, as long as the earth has been, been around, like, so that um, that's like 8 million to present, 8 million to present. Yeah. Before that, mm-hmm. it was this massive subduction. That's basically yeah. the Rocky Mountains. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. what you're seeing and identifying as like a big general trend of just like oil field plays and like where most of the production has come from, it does make this like overprint. <clears throat> but if you actually stack up the geologic rock record from oldest features to youngest features and why all that production is there, it's a massive train wreck of geologic events, massive plates subducting, you know, old continents getting swallowed up by the mantle, new ones coming out, like the ge- geology of California, of Western United States, basically, is just unbelievable. And it's just this train wreck of geology from, yeah, pre-Cambrian to now that we see in, in yeah, the rocks tell us. The, the story is in the rocks, right? Like you just go from the oldest to the youngest because mm. you can age date this stuff. And that's the story we're trying to put together. And we're finding out that, yeah, these processes are huge, huge processes. The oil fields are basically that last little thing that happens in these massive geologic events. Um, okay, so I've got another thing I want to fact check with you, Troy, uh, geology related. Um, again, I don't know anything about the downhole side of the industry, um, but I knew I do know that the oil down there is not just in some big open cavern. It's it's in well, it's in rock, as they say. But that's my question: Is it really rock, or is it just dense dirt and sand? Because I've seen core samples, and it's not rock; it's just densely packed sand. Yeah, or dirt. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So why do they say it's, it's rock? Why do they say we're fracturing rock when it's not, or is it? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's rock, right? It's rock. It's a mixture of, of minerals that are there, but it's packed with fluid. So it's kind of like, it's got a matrix, certainly an oil field, right? Commercial oil field. It has a, a matrix of fluid. And then rocks and minerals, right? And minerals, combination of minerals, like making a rock. So, I mean, it's, it's. I think you could say technically rock, but it's totally dynamic. How can you have liquid in a rock? Because uh, in, in a model called the, hydro, the deep hydrothermal model, so not the dead dinosaur model where this, this, this fluid migrated to the rock, this model says that the rock was actually made by the fluid, that this hot hydrothermal fluid that came up and fractionated its place in that geologic rock record had the 
elements in that very dense, crazy brine that had the kerogen that made the oil, that had mm. the quartz, the silica, right? The oxygen, all that fractionates out and deposits itself together at the same time that that's a big difference between what you'll read in textbooks or what you'll Google or even talk, have a, have a conversation with chat GPT. It'll tell you that this fluid migrated in some millions and millions of years later, the earth made a porous rock. It has void space. And now millions and millions of years later, all this fluid migrated into that space. And that's what we drill into and, and know the, the more, I think, efficient way to do that. Mother, Mother Nature made it then, right then, made it, bang, mm. and it's been deposited. So it's a, a porous rock. That's the key. Yeah. It's very porous. Yeah. It's under high pressure. Yep. Yep. So Gases. It's, it's in volatile state. It's in liquid state and it's in solid state right there. Bang. See, I always, I saw a core sample. I don't know how deep the core sample came from. Right. But it's it was important. just like, the way I describe it is like when you're on the beach and you're on the, the hot dry sand and you're walking towards the, the ocean and you get to that sand that's like semi-saturated. Yeah. It's you're not sinking yet, but it's kind of wet. That's kind of how I described the core sample. It wow. it looked like that. It wasn't a rock. Crazy. Maybe yeah, deeper that... down where I don't know where it does get solid. I guess. Yeah, definitely does. I, I guess I've looked at a, a few core samples now. Um, not that I'm a professional in any capacity, but I've seen some where it's like definitely very loose. And then some that it's solid, like it, really? like I couldn't even believe that it was like pulled out of there. But um, that's not firsthand, like in person, you know, it's just photos. But I, uh, it's kind of insane, like even just the layers that you can see and all of that. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's like, yeah. I mean, that's time periods in itself. That's years and years and years you're like literally witnessing with your eyes it's such a interesting like what the world does over time yeah oh yeah gets real wild when you actually dive into the details and and yeah. really start figuring it out or how it it appears to have put itself together from what we know and information we have and this collaboration of all these experts that you know think get the opportunity to think about this and put it in space and time you know, that's a super, super unique uh, group of people and a very specific group of uh, set of information. And there's all these different ideas that overprint. And depending on how much you actually want to have uh, like intellectual, like honesty with yourself, you can accept mm -hmm. the simplified version or you can realize that we don't really know much what's going on. The earth is in full control here. <laughs> Let's yeah. just like engineer our way through this. Um, it's wild, man. That's yeah, that was cool. That was a good conversation. Anything under that much pressure and heat is probably going to be closely approximating a rock. I guess that's how I'm, I make sense of it in my mind, but I just could never wrap my head around how a rock could also have fluid in it even at high pressure. No, I think that makes sense. Yeah. You want to go through that comment before we spun off into this wild geology thing? Yeah. So we had a vendor sign up on Trunkline the other day 
and they sell hotshot services. So they have these hotshot trucking services and their strategy is pretty unique. Uh, they originally started their business to sell completions tools and they made a few customer relationships doing that, but then they just started to get a bunch of requests for hotshot services. They didn't sell hotshot services, but they created this division kind of out of necessity. And so their strategy is to sort of open the door with new customers with their hotshot services, and then follow up behind that with their completions tools and sell the completions tools to that new customer. And that's been working for them. And so they joined Trunkline to showcase both their hotshot services and their completions tools. And they're perfect for Trunkline. They're doing awesome. Um, they got a few posts up, but they, they asked me a question the first day they signed up, which kind of sparked a little bit of interest in me. And the question was, what's the strategy for posting on Trunkline? And she asked me that question. I thought, what exactly? I asked her, what do you mean by strategy? Mm -hmm. um, and she said, well, is there a specific time of day that's best? Should I post in the morning? Oh, Should I be posting at lunch? Social thought, media thing. Right, right. So that was her question. And, and you're right. She came from this sort of position of thinking of it like a social media platform. And I said, well, that's the beauty of the whole thing. There is no algorithm. There is no strategy to Trunkline. It's a search engine. And so once you're in the search engine and the more you're in the search engine, the more often you'll, you'll get discovered and searched for. So there's no strategy. You just, you just want to be on Trunkline showcasing your work as much as possible. And when I said that, it clicked to her that, okay, no. So I'm not just posting something to give it a little bit of exposure in the feed and then have it buried in a matter of hours. I'm putting it on Trunkline where it'll be preserved, where it can be searched for all of eternity um, by anyone anywhere. And that that just really opened her eyes and, and kind of clarified what the model is. So I had never got that question before, but I think some people might have it, which is like, is there a is there a strategy? Is there an algorithm? Do I need to be mindful of when I'm posting? No. Just the strategy is really just post as much as you have, post the, as many projects as you have uh, to get them in the search engine and to get more exposure for what you've accomplished. This episode is brought to you by Trunkline. You probably know Trunkline as the company that makes the legendary oil field horizontal drilling socks. And it's true. Our drill baby drill socks featuring a heel to toe wellbore are 100% American made and are designed right in the heart of the oil and gas industry. But did you know that Trunkline is also a revolutionary digital marketing tool that can transform the way you advertise your oil field services? For only $800 a month, you can showcase your company's project track record on Trunkline and our automated platform will boost your exposure through social media, email marketing, SEO, and more. Now, whenever one of your new customers asks you, can you show me an example of your work? You can simply turn them to your Trunkline portfolio. It's more effective than a brochure, it's less expensive than sponsoring a whole other golf course, and easier than maintaining your website. Join more than 200 service companies on Trunkline by signing up at register.trunkline.com today. Let's go. With more than 35 years of experience in the industry, 
Impact Exploration Services has you covered for all your mud logging, geosteering, and geoscience service needs. Impact Exploration Services covers every basin in the lower 48 and can customize the services to your needs. Impact Exploration Services sets the professional standard. And the next time you have problems to solve and questions to answer, think Impact Exploration Services. Right on. Yeah, I could see where she's coming from. I always I studied that stuff too. I found this study that was like, oh, look at everybody's on Twitter at like Mondays through Thursday at 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. I'm like, oh, then I got them. I must tweet at those times. <laughs> you know, like I <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Uh, but I like I know, the the answer. I know everyone's gonna roll their eyes because I use the Expedia example a lot. But when I search Expedia, I'm looking at hotels that were posted 10 years ago by Marriott and Hilton. Yeah. That's because it's not a social media platform. It's a search engine and you search for a hotel in Washington, DC and all the results on the market come up instantly. So we're trying to do the same thing. And this kind of goes, and McKaylee, do you have anything that you want to add to, to his conversation or that, that comment before I say something? Um, it goes into this, you know, when I was golfing with this guy, he's been in the industry a long time, right? He's doing sales. What's marketing to you? He goes, it's just your ability to explain what you are, what, what it is, what your service is. And so I feel like that's a really important idea or comment and thing that needs to be expressed is that Trunkline is not social media. It's a search engine. Bingo bang, like, all right, that just wipes out that whole concept of like relating it to LinkedIn, relating it to Instagram or anything like that. No, you guys offer those services to help them as a company through those platforms to help get people as attention. But Trunkline itself is a search engine. That's right. Yeah. McKaylee does a phenomenal job promoting the vendors and their projects on social media. Um, and that's a critical part of our business. That's a value add on top of the search engine. Um, but you're right. The, the core is, is this library, this ever-growing library of services, products, events, companies, all under one roof that can be searched anywhere, anytime. And it, it kind of goes to this, this other comment that I get a lot, which is you know, people recognize how fast their posts decay on social media. Right. They know that. They know that the lifespan of a post, like on LinkedIn, for example, is literally like two hours. If you if you happen to get lucky and go viral, maybe it'll kind of get its day in the sun for like 24 hours. <laughs> That's it. And it gets yeah. buried and it's it's still there, but it's effectively gone. It's not in right. the feed anymore. For, sometimes randomly PBE will get a like, like on something <clears throat> I posted two weeks ago. Like, but it's just like once in a blue moon. Like for the most part, yeah, it's the first hour or two it gets out there and then like random stuff shows up later. But yeah, super random. And for social media, it feels like there's no rhyme or reason. Like you're just like, why is this not working? You know, why... So that's why people hire marketing people when they're going into to business, because like those people are trained to know all of that. But that takes a lot. And your normal everyday 
person who has a small business, who has a service company that's maybe, you know, not in a position where they need a marketing team can go on Trunkline and their services are going to be seen because people are searching for those services. You don't have to be super well-versed in all sorts of, you know, platforms, all the, all these different algorithms. It's just straight up, you're posting what you do and you're marketing for yourself without all the, the mess and complication that, that we kind of see when we're on social media. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've seen a vendor on LinkedIn post something like, Hey, are you looking for frack tanks today? I've got 20 in Pecos, Texas, and that'll be on a Monday. And then the post gets buried and maybe gets a few likes and comments, but it gets buried. And then a few days later on Thursday, someone else makes a post on LinkedIn saying, Hey, I'm looking for frack tanks in Pecos. And I'm thinking, what a shame that like, if they could just find one another, they wouldn't have to post and wait for their post to like go through the social media grapevine. They could just find each other. They could search and find instantly. And I see that every week. So the vendor posts what they sell. And then later the customer posts what they're looking for. And they're, they're not getting connected as efficiently as, as we can do on Trunkline. Well, you know, I guess LinkedIn and these these social media platforms have the apps, right? And and you're kind of like kind of wasting your time looking at some stuff because you just pull the app open and you're waiting in line at something or whatever, right? You open it up and you're going through it. And then it comes, it occurs to you that, oh man, I better maybe I'll make a post real quick about looking for some tanks. And it's so it's it's convenient and it's easy to use. Maybe that app that you guys are working on might be able to to really help the users to to stop wasting time posting on LinkedIn. That's not how you're going to find that stuff. Post it here with Trunkline, really help make those connections. It's easier to do it um, once that mm-hmm. app gets developed. You're probably right. Yeah. There's so many requests happening out there. If there's an easy way to like, that's the other thing. You know, if if somebody searches for if someone's searching for, let's say, tank fabrication, mm-hmm. and they they're searching on a Monday for tank fabrication, and it Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they still haven't found anyone. Wouldn't it be nice to like go somewhere to see that that request is still open, it's still available, like after the fact, like a couple of days, a couple of weeks later? Um, that's what we offer too, is as a way to kind of like look up who's searching for what and not be having to constantly monitor my feed to see who's searching. So, yeah, I think you're right. If we could just get that a little bit more in an app form, um, it'd be easier to use. Yeah. And then the app could quickly like you upload that, right. And then maybe you have a LinkedIn like share button because you have an app. Now it can convert that page to a simple post and they can still do their LinkedIn thing. But if, I think if you if we people start understanding that, man, there's so many times where you've seen people wasting time posting on LinkedIn, do the first most efficient way, which is trunk line and do that community. And then if you really want to keep doing your LinkedIn, trunk line has the ability to take that quick post that you just made, convert mm-hmm. it into whatever format LinkedIn needs. And it's a one push button. And now it opens up LinkedIn and you can post your, you know, that Right. You just make those connections, get it out on Instagram, get it out on LinkedIn. 
but mm-hmm. start with trunk lines start your time and attention there instead of shuffling through the feeds of reels on instagram or linkedin i think the app might be pretty beneficial and can the app do that can the app have a real feature where you're like all right i'm in north carolina and i just want to swipe through all the services instead of wasting time swiping through instagram the app allows me to swipe through service companies and operators or events that's a big one yeah events events in san antonio i'm looking for concerts i'm looking for something to do this weekend like and it feels like a reel but it's on trunk line. I don't know. Maybe it's years down the line. But we're we're big believers in the search engine power, the, the function of a search engine. We're big believers in that. Imagine if you went to Expedia again. I'll use the same analogy. Imagine if you went to Expedia and you had to post, "Hey, I'm searching for a hotel in New Orleans <laughs> for next weekend," and then you had to wait for Marriott to connect with you. And then you had to wait for Marriott to message you with the pricing. And then you had to wait for Marriott to, what a pain that would be. Yeah. But that's what we're doing every day on, on LinkedIn in the oil field, because we don't have a place to just search the market for who sells what. Um, so that that's the direction we're going. We wanna make it as easy as just searching for what you need. And I think we're getting there with every new vendor that, that joins. All right, guys. Thanks, Troy. Yeah. Thank you, guys. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks.